0: so welcome back to the don't think limits podcast this is our sixth episode of the don't think limits podcast and today's guest speaker is brendan from be perfect cosmetics Um, he is the founder and owner of that brand and i've managed to get my hands on him today he's a very busy guy so i'd like to welcome you into the don't think limits podcast brendan
1: hey how's it going
0: um so basically we're just going to start off with a little background of basically who you are what you do for people that maybe don't know you or don't really follow you on social media or anything um so if you just want to tell us a little bit of a story about yourself and what you do as well yeah it's
1: very top level i'm the owner the founder and the sole director of be perfect and i started Be Perfect Cosmetics seven years ago with absolutely zero clue about business and even less of a clue about makeup or false tan and over the last years from a 500 pound startup in a 500 pound startup in a local shopping center in Belfast I've managed to turn the brand into a, a globally recognized brand amongst the makeup community
0: you often hear people saying stuff about, you know, um, investing like 20 or 30,000 into a brand. How did you manage to start it with 500 pounds?
1: At the time, I obviously had no bargain. Um, I worked in sales and I was, I was earning good commission. And one month, um, I, I, my, my cousin and one of my best friends had opened their own businesses. One of them had opened a coffee shop and the other one, my, my cousin had opened a barbershop. And I thought at the time, how can I start a business? But I had no bagging. Um, they had their parents were able to put money into their businesses and, and and bag them, where I didn't have that option, unfortunately. So I decided, how can I do this, but start start very small. And I was selling a, t- a teeth whitening product for friends at the weekends at trade shows. And um, when I was working for them, I realized that I could really sell face to face almost you know like a market trader you know that you would see nearly typically on like jml or the shopping channels so we were more or less doing that live and i decided then with my experience with working for living social that there was a gap in the market for a good eyebrow product and i took my mum over on a flight to a trade show in london and i told her that i was going to start a business no clue what i was going to do we went around the show and we bought Multiple products that you could do a demonstration with so that was quick easy and a really good before and after Within that kit there was all sorts of absolute crap and I mean fucking crap. There was hair removal pads there was things to paint and paint your nails and um, There was tan there was all sorts of things in there and but the one thing that there was was an eyebrow product and I went around all my friends with the bag and they thought it was off my absolute head going which of these products you think I can start a business with and (laughs) they narrowed it down to the eyebrow product Um, one thing I left out though was on the way home from the actual trade show and you'll probably agree with me Oscar you're quite into yourself it was the first time that I actually bought the book The Secret and I started reading it on the flight home and on the flight home I got butterflies because I could really see I was already sort of using the law of attraction but didn't really know i was using it and when i read the book it made so much common sense to me and my friends thought it was nuts they thought it was absolutely off 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 the scale mad and the week after the guy that i met in london was in dublin at a trade show he was selling the eyebrow product so i drove down and i met him and i bought 50 eyebrow kits off him and come back up to belfast and booked uh a spot in the shopping center in belfast and i think at the time i spent about 250 on product i spent i think it was 150 to book the mall space and i think i spent about 50 to 100 quid on the table and went in and literally called people over and tried to draw eyebrows on them i had no fucking clue what about eyebrows <laughs> and i was doing them all wrong so one of the girls came over and showed me how to do it and at the end of the day, we had sold out. So we couldn't even go back to the shopping center the second day that we paid for. And um, the week after I bought, I think it was about a, about 50 the first week, I think the second week I bought 150. Um, and it just went from there. I just keep kept buying the product off him for about two to three months and every single penny that I bought or sorry that I, I got back, I kept putting it in until um, it got to the stage that we were probably Two to three months in, just selling one product, um, and I decided that I wanted to get the product made myself because I can you I knew I could do it, and you could and you could sell it, and I knew you could do it better. So I was selling a different brand, but at the time the little pop up shop was called Be Perfect, um, and under Be Perfect, I actually also wanted to sell spinning mops, believe it or not, because spinning mops was a really good demonstration product that you could work with as well. And my vision was to go around the country selling eyebrows. And spin mops and that's how it all all got started.
0: Yeah, yeah. Jesus, that's a bit of a mad journey, especially the spinning mops and stuff as well. Yeah. Um that's brilliant. Like, you know, it's it's mad how you can just pick something up and, and um just show up at a as um at a table one day and go, Here, look, I'm gonna give this a chance and before you know it seven years later you're a multimillionaire uh company you know um it's it's mad how how it happens as well but you know you were saying there there was a gap in the market was there not many um makeup and eyelashes brands and stuff out there back then or was the market dead or or you know yeah there there was loads um
1: eyebrows sort of kind of like hairstyles with guys you know it it, it chops and changes and um back just before eyebrows became trendy again they, they were people were shaving their eyebrows off and drawing them back on and Then the fashion changed to having full eyebrows. So there was a lot of other products on the market. But the one that I had, we used a stencil to apply it. So it gave that amazing shape and a really good angle. But the powder that I developed then, I made it a little bit different. We added an oil. And when you added the oil to the powder, it made it completely waterproof and sweatproof. So a lot of girls were drawing their eyebrows on, going to the gym, and they were gone. Where the one that we got... Uh, we 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 really pushed on the USP, so we found something that was different, slightly different, to everything that was out there, um, and that's how we were able to start off the the brand so well by having something that was different to all the bigger brands.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely, and I think you know you obviously have to stand out as well. So I suppose that was a nice way of standing out, and you know I suppose the brand be perfect because. Like to me, that already sounds. There's just more than be perfect to it. Like what? Like why did you decide to go with be perfect? And what does that name mean to you?
1: The name at the time, it's it's to do with the spinning mops. To be honest, um, at the time, the guy that I bought the other products off, um, it was it was a different brand of vibrose at the time. His his website was called Perfect Products, and he used to sell. Eyebrow powders, I think e-cigarettes. Um, uh, he maybe sold mops and kitchen appliances. He, he sold a range of different things. So my vision in the early days was to be like a JML. Do you know something that you would see in QVC and have like different things under the name, be perfect. Um, we didn't have the cosmetics on it at the time. Um, so started off with the Be Perfect. The, the B was for, uh, when I'm shy, I said it's for Belfast, but it was for Brandon. And then <laughs> it was using the word perfect. It kind of got the inspiration from him and put the two together. And it worked well because under Be Perfect, you could sell sort of anything that wasn't makeup. Um. And then when we went to get the website, we couldn't get Be Perfect. So we... Decided then we, I think it was three months in, and the the spinning mops got forgot about, um, and we decided then to call it Be Perfect Cosmetics because we could get the, the URL. So yeah, that's that's how that started.
0: Just, <laughs> that's a bit mad. I've often um done that myself where you come up with a name and you you forget to actually look it up first and research into it and then you realize oh this domain has been taken or something or you have to pay 30 grand to have it or something and you're like crap (laughs) yeah it's always Um, something good
1: to look out for if you're if you're, you're you're thinking of a name or and also checking if it's trademarked if if any other countries have the name trademarked we were quite lucky because i never looked into trademarks for years and lucky enough it was there there was one in france um, and we had, uh, it was a defunct tea fighting company that we had to actually uh, appeal the decision and we, we managed to get it. So um I was quite lucky in that sense. But early on, if you're thinking of a name, it's probably check if the domain's available and check if the uh, nobody has it trademarked.
0: Yeah, definitely. um Some of them can be actually um quite expensive. I remember looking stuff up before. It was like they wanted like 100K or something like that to trademark it globally or something. It was, it was mad like I was like jesus but um I suppose the second thing I want to kind of go on to is um like did you always kind of have a vision of where you are today and where you're about to go like did, was this always your vision or did it only come along um as i suppose you got the book or or what what's like did you always have this big vision of this brand being so big
1: didn't have a vision of perfect I never if you had told me 10 years ago I was gonna start a makeup brand I would have laughed at you and um, I never had any notion of starting makeup and fake tan and but I always had a vision of working for myself my dad he started his own business when he was he was only like his like early 40s and he passed away quite young and he always works for other people and he, he was my biggest inspiration because he wanted to go out on his own. So I came from a sales background, my daddy was a digger driver, completely different uh, roles. But um, similar to him, I always worked for somebody else and I always did an extremely good job. I was always top seller in everything that I did. So I just knew that I wanted to sell something that was my own. Um, so I didn't know I was going to go down the, the makeup route, but I certainly um, they'd know that I wanted to go down the route of 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 becoming successful and building something from scratch, similar to what my, my dad had.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I suppose your dad was kind of your biggest inspiration to nearly start a business um, and not be working for someone for, I suppose, the rest of your life and stuff as well. But I you know, when you were working, you know, where where you always kind of like. I couldn't do this for the rest of my life, or is it only kind of when I suppose you kind of started the business? You were like, "Oh, I can't do this anymore."
1: No, not at all. Like I, I worked um in sales for a long time. From I sold credit cards, I sold Sky TV, um, and it, it's actually quite the the story at the time was quite quite good. To, to touch on the the current climate, um, I was selling credit cards, and I used to earn really really good commission on it think at the time it was maybe 26, 27, and I've been doing it for a good few years. And I decided to get my first mortgage. And then the credit crunch happened in, in Ireland and the UK. And obviously the, all the banks stopped lending and I lost my job and had just taken on my first mortgage. So it was, I loved the job. I always loved working in sales face to face. So I then completely freaked out and I spent a year, maybe more of getting into a bit of a downward spiral because I had a mortgage and I always worked in commission only. And all of a sudden I wasn't, work, wasn't making any commission. So I took a job at the time working for uh, the Yellow Pages and I uh, was on a decent basic, but I wasn't earning that much commission. So I went through this year of, of being in a job that I really didn't like. I was selling a product that I didn't feel passionate about, but I was scared to leave because I was earning a decent basic, but it was barely covering my mortgage, if that makes sense. So the only time that I really didn't enjoy work was was that particular period. But after that was then whenever I went into uh, sales for Living Social, who is Groupon's main competitor. And there was meant to be three of us working the in Northern Ireland. And um, there was a few of us in Dublin, a few of us in Cork. I think it was five guys in Dublin, two in Cork, and there was meant to be three in Belfast. And I got to this stage that um, it was only me and I, I ran the whole of, of Belfast and the North on my own. And I absolutely loved that job. I did it for four, maybe five years and I started Be Perfect on the side. So I was doing Be Perfect and my job for probably the first, year and it was a really big decision to have to give up my job because it was just a steady income. I was earning good commission. Um but whenever I got to the stage where I was starting to realise that there was a lot more to come from Be Perfect, I had to make the choice to leave my job. And it was it was hard to do, but I, I took the risk and, and I went for it. And I obviously haven't looked back since. So like I, I've always enjoyed the jobs that I worked in. Um and to be honest, in my twenties I was a bit of a, a bit of a rocket put just about it, like that. So I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to probably be mature enough to run a business as well. So different people do different things at different walks of life. Like I have spoke to you, like I was saying to you the other day on Instagram, I couldn't believe you're only 18 and you've got your head switched on so good. Um, when I was your age, there's no way I would have been business orientated at all. I just wanted to work for somebody and I wanted to earn good money. And I was happy with that at the time. So I think it's just different strokes for different folks and everybody just does different things at, at different ages and, and so it's what suits them.
0: Yeah, 100%. You mentioned there about um, passionate, uh, that word passionate. You know, you were selling a product that you weren't passionate about and that's a very big, strong word because um, essentially, you know, you really do have to be passionate about what you're doing in life or your job or whatever, your business because, like you were saying, you were selling a product that you weren't passionate about, and that's why you weren't selling it well, and then you got these kits in you know, of eyelashes, lashes, and you just sold them out so quickly, you know, obviously it was a good product as well, but you you had more of that passion in it as well, Um, you know, a lot of people talk about that, but it's actually so true, you know, to, to be successful and stuff, you really do have to be passionate about something to be able to sell it or to succeed in it as well. Um I suppose that kind of brings me on to then obviously fast forward um uh goodwill then to dragon's den. how did you even go about doing that or how did that end up happening?
1: yeah, I was actually at a a trade show a beauty trade show in Belfast, and at the time it was maybe two to three years in and we had then maybe i think i had three products at the time um and that i went from from the shopping center in belfast what we done was we we took the show on the road and i sold my car i bought a van i traded in for a van and we literally drove around the uk and ireland going to horse shows cow shows wedding shows beauty shows you name it all around the country for maybe two to three weeks at a time and it was long hours loads of driving but it was it was a means to an end at the time to get me to where i am so i I spent the first two to three years like i mean working extremely extremely hard because i had no big money i had no big bag and no anything and i was just building it all along as i went and if i maybe like from the first week in the shopping center the following week i paid for a shopping center that was double the price and it was a bit of a risk but it wasn't going to flatten me so kept taking lots of calculated risks along the way for two to three years. And we built it up. We had three products and we had just started selling into some beauty salons and we started selling into some pharmacies in the north. So we got one of our first uh, big orders for the tan. um, And we were still driving around the country doing the pop-ups, if that makes sense. But this is when the retail started to to, to kick off for us. And we'd also, Firstly, we were one of the first brands to start working f- with influencers. I'm sure everybody knows SoSue, um, who also has an amazing uh, Irish brand. She's absolutely smashing it as well. Uh, SOSU was one of the first influencers that we actually worked with on a sponsored post back in the day. Um, And Tiffany and LMD, and obviously went on to to collaborate with LMD. So we were kind of doing this at the time of Dragon's Den, you know, influencer thing that wasn't even called, it wasn't even a word then, it was called bloggers. It wasn't really so much called influencers, it was called bloggers. And we were kind of tapping at that, we were starting to win the retail. Then we were at the beauty show in Belfast and one of the dragons was at the show and she bought the products from the stand. And I remember looking and going, I know that girl's face and then I remember she was, she was uh, from Dragon's Den uh, on RTE. So I got home that night, went straight onto the Dragon's Den website and I applied and I filled in the form. And I think it was like maybe, it was maybe six months later before I heard from them and I got the call and had been shortlisted, went down and seen them. And yeah, that's, that's, that's how that happened because uh, it was from seeing the, the dragon buying our product at, at one of the beauty shows
0: jeez that's mad and did you did you get that investment back then or did they turn you down or how did it end up working out for you
1: well i went on to the show and i knew before i went on the show that i didn't have to take an offer if i, I didn't get it, and it was, even though i was quite confident going in and um, because i didn't necessarily need the bargain if that makes sense but at the same time you're fearful because. If they don't back you or they don't like your product, it could nearly have a, a bad effect in your business as well. So even though I was confident, I was still I still had a bit of nerves. And when I went down and went in, um, oh, it was awful. Like <laughs> the worst part was you have to stand in this fucking broom cupboard and pretend it's a lift, <laughs> and you're kind of you're kind of acting. And I am not an actor. Like I'm fine <laughs> talking on Instagram. I'm fine talking on podcasts. But if you have to pretend you're doing something, uh, I, I, my knees started banging off each other. I was absolutely <laughs> shitting myself. Um, and it was all the wee stupid things that you had to do during the day. Like, the, it, it just wasn't real, if that makes sense. Where it got to the end of the day and we were the last people up. And I remember, like, you come out of the brim cupboard pretending you come out of the lift. And I remember walking up. And you have to walk up this line and they all just stare at you. And I was like, shit. And then you have to walk back down to the, the brim cupboard because you have to do, like, a... A take on it first so they record it the first time i do done it, it was like shit and like i knew it wasn't real and i knew they wouldn't ask me any questions you have to go back to the broom cupboard and then walk back up again and this i don't know what it was it was like in my head i went there is not one single like question they can ask me about be perfect that i do not know and I got this mad boost of confidence because you see a lot of people going on and they trip up on questions about finance and uh, development and all different sort of things, but I, I literally built the ba- the brand from scratch myself, and I knew there's nothing they can ask me that I won't get right. So we started it, and then we done the demonstration of the products. They all jumped up and come over and like, oh wow! And uh one of them was like, oh my god, 10 second tan. I've never seen anything like this. And then they were looking at the cold putting on her out or mascara and stuff. And it, I knew I knew it was on to a winner. Um, and then I got this stage of the the negotiation. Um, and it went for ages because I got three offers and then two of them came together and then i actually then it was me pitching to them and then i they had to pitch to me because i had different offers on the table so i I went with a joint offer with um what i called Alison and barry and i I took it on the show and it was all really good it was an amazing amazing experience what happened was then it went out and it got broadcast on rte um, and as I was saying at the start uh, there earlier, we were selling in a few places in the north. But once we went on to Dragon's Den RTE, literally Southern Ireland just opened up overnight for us. It was like it was like a massive boost for us, if that makes sense. Even though the one thing about it was Sam McCauley's, I'm sure you know them down in Cork, McCauley's group. Um, Joan the buyer, I had met her before Dragon's Den and she had already agreed to take the brand in. So I knew that even without Dragon's Den, we were starting to win the retail scene we were starting to go into the influencer blogger scene and we already had a good grasp and when i went down to meet them in dublin and they had a big massive contract and i just i just felt like i was going to lose a bit of creative control and i also felt like they weren't able to add much more value and what they wanted to do was focus on ireland north and south and i thought i'm doing this myself and i can do it anyway so i decided to leave it but that said. If, we hadn't, if it had been six months, 12 months before we started doing the retail side and started getting into that, I feel like I potentially would have taken the offer. Um, but at the time, it just wasn't right for me. It was just a little bit too late.
0: Yeah, yeah. You were saying about uh, the, the fake stuff in the lift. I remember when I was on Ireland's Fittest Family as well, Um, they were... You nearly do half the filament, and then you do five minutes of actually real stuff. It's like TV is absolutely crazy. Like, yeah, um, it's it's mad altogether. But um, I I actually watched Dragons Den myself a, a good bit as well. For anyone that doesn't know what Dragons Den is as well, um, for anyone's like, what the hell is are they on about? Dragons Den is basically these four people, four or five. Is it is it four or five, Brendan?
1: uh sometimes it depends the uk one i think started with three and then i think some of them now have have five
0: yeah so it's basically just say like five investors and then you come in with your business just say brandon came in with his business he's like this is what i do this is the figures i predict to do and then they open up for questions and they ask you questions about your business and then they either invest in your business or not. Did you actually um did, were you going into dragons? Then going right, I'm ready to give away ten percent of my business for fifty thousand. Or did did you have all that planned out, or what's your lowest um percentage you're willing to go down to and stuff?
1: Um, I yeah, at the time I I knew you had to give away some, and um, what I did was um I'm trying to remember they offered me eighty grand. For twenty percent of the business, and I then renegotiated back with them if I paid them the eighty grand back in year one, would they drop the ten percent and they said they would so yeah, you kind of know that you have to give away some of your shares and um, and and that's that's what they kind of expect
0: yeah yeah um yeah just that's unreal that's really cool to see and know someone that um because I as I said I watched it the whole time and to know someone. That actually went on it is really cool. So I suppose that brings me on to kinda more about yourself then. You know, you were talking about the first book you got The Secret and stuff, about this whole personal development world. When did all this start? Which obviously you said the the flight and stuff, but you know, how has this opened up more doors to your how has this changed maybe your mindset? Because this is Something I, like, never stop talking about on my social media or anywhere I go. I'm always about, you know, positive vibes, feeling happy, feeling good, attracting good people, hanging out with good people. You know, when did all this start for you and how has it changed your life and your business as well?
1: To be honest, I think I always kind of done it, but I went through a bit of a rut in my early 20s. Um, uh, Like, uh, I, I, I come out as gay. I um had come out of a really bad relationship i lost my father Um, i went off the rails a bit on on partying and stuff like that um just had was getting into lots of fights and stuff and i went through like um a few years of like being a bit of a bit of a mess just the the easiest way to put it you know it was a stage when you know i constantly had broken bones like getting in fights and whatever else and I just I got into a bit of a, a loop of, of 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 crap basically. Um I also was skint, um, I lost a couple of jobs, I had lots of credit card debt and I think I then I was always quite positive until then, and probably from when I was nineteen till about twenty one was probably the worst few years. Um so I then started working in sales and started changing my mindset and started to think about my future and then when I was I think it was twenty six, twenty seven. Then I think I think through my, my years in my twenties that I started to realize like I want more from life. Like I don't want to, don't want to like spend my life just partying or um you know like or any of the crap that I have been through. So whenever I got my hands on the secret, I'd already kind of started doing a lot of things that was in it. Um, yeah. But for business and for just everything really, the business, health, everything. I just think it really, really helps. And I mean, it's to me, it's just common sense. I mean, there's nothing in it that sometimes, I remember when I worked in, as I was telling you for the the Yellow Pages, a lot of the the guys and girls in there were reading the book, The Secret, and they were smashing their target. And I was always a really good salesperson and I could never, ever, ever hit target in there. And I was, as I say, so deflated. And they kept telling me about the book, The Secret, um, and it was with their recommendations when I seen it in the airport. I grabbed it and I was like, and as soon as I started reading, I think I read a few chapters between the airport and on the way home, and uh, it give it literally gave me butterflies just about everything about life, about my future, about my business that was in a in a bag basically at my feet, um. So yeah, it was probably in my mid mid to late 20s that I, I really started getting into it. um, And I, I don't, you know, we always have shit days, like as positive as, as I am, um, this whole lockdown thing, like I was fine. I was keeping the positive head on. It was like, okay, I will be back to normal in two weeks. And I was sailing through lockdown. And yeah, then yeah. last weekend, I just, I don't know what came over me. I felt, I watched too much news, I think was the problem. And it was like Northern Ireland wasn't coming out of it for another three weeks, and was like, oh god, and I just went into that like, for one day, I went into that deep zone of overthinking, watching too much news, and I'm feeling unhappy. And on Monday morning, I got up and went right and going for a run, I'm going to eat clean, and going to um, read a few positive quotes, and literally from Monday. Till today, I've been buzzing all week. I had one bad, like everybody has bad days. It's you know, it's all great. People can say, "Oh, Brendan, yeah, you've really successful business," bloody, bloody, blah, blah, blah. But everybody gets fucking shit days, and everybody has been through shit. And I genuinely believe anybody with the right mindset can turn around absolutely anything that they want and totally change their life. Because I look how I was in my early twenties till how I am now, and if I was able to turn things around so drastically. I believe anybody can
0: yeah 100 percent, 100 Um, you were talking about you know the secret and stuff like that and you said um okay. you kind of already knew a lot of it as well and I think what that is is a, as well is our awareness um it, it's you know I always said this as well when I used to read all these books and stuff and I think we're not really aware of this stuff and then when we start reading it, we're like oh I kind of know this but it's like, you know, the knowing and doing gap, like how much we know but how much we actually do. So we actually know all this stuff that's in this book because it's not like rocket science. But I think since sometimes it's so simple, we're just trying to find that more complicated way of doing it because we're like, this can't be so simple. You know, this has to be I have to go through hell and, you know, all this stuff where it's not. It's actually simple, like you said. Um. So I think that that was um. That's a big thing as well is awareness. That's that's what uh, I've noticed recently with like obviously reading all these books and and um, studying personal development and having a life coach. It's all about awareness and the more your awareness expands, the more like opportunities you will see and adjust a way different life as well. And then the second thing you were saying about the lockdown and you were saying about the news and one thing that I never do is let you watch the news. And the parents have the news on, I'm like, turn it off. I don't want to hear it. If I'm in the room and the news are on, I do not want to hear it because like you said there, you know, you watch the news and you went into a negative state. But what the news is actually doing, and I was actually on a Zoom um, call uh I don't know if you know a guy called John Boyle. He owns Boyle Sports. He's a Irish billionaire. We were in a Zoom call with him, and he was saying how the media is like putting so much fear into people, and you know they're they're saying like step one hasn't happened, but they're already talking what if step ten happens, and you know they're putting all this fear into people. And I think like if you don't have a strong mindset, and if you don't know like how to control your thoughts or feelings or whatever. Like you will struggle so much to listen to the media because it can like, your body's like a sponge and anything you hear, so anything like you were saying you were listening to positive quotes and stuff, that obviously made you feel really good and then you switched on the media and you heard all this and look at the effect it had on you as well. So I always like tell people, it's like, do not watch the news. If you need to know anything, you'll find out from a friend or somewhere like that as well. A hundred percent.
1: People like to spread bad news more so than good news and... To be honest, I watched more news in the last two weeks than I have done in the last 37 years and it put me on that downward spiral. I tend to not do it. I I definitely 100% agree with you. News, it's 99% of it is bad news. I don't understand why news channels and politicians and countries and everything else don't start spreading a lot more happy news and positive news because... Um, there's not that many places that do it. Um, so yeah, I'm very, very with you on never watch the news.
0: Yeah, hundred percent. I was actually um, my sister bought me um, the she bought me a program for my birthday. Um, the science of getting rich. Um, it's a program with Bob Proctor, and I was just listening to it there, and he was saying that um, he has his own studio at home, and he broadcasts all over the world, and he was saying. I, I think one of his goals, what I figured out from kinda of talk uh hearing him talk is that he wants to create a tele um a news station that spreads like positive news or something like that. And I was like, Jesus, like you kinda of nearly threw ideas into my head there, you know, about getting uh somewhere kind of first and doing something that no one has ever done. Like imagine doing that, like it it'd be fair successful, like you'd have some amount of people watching it and stuff as well. But um, just actually going back to a question, um this is going way back to the interview now, you mentioned influencers, and you were the first ones to use influencers. I recently was listening to a guy, he owns a big brand as well, a big clothing brand. Um, he was saying how influencer, or influencing and influencers are kind of gone dead. How um, have you seen much of that, or what's your opinion on it? I wouldn't
1: say influencers have gone dead, it, it's a very rapidly, it's an extremely rapidly changing market and I think for me, we kind of know that market inside out because we were probably one of the first brands to ever start working with influencers probably five years ago. So at the time after Dragon's Den, I knew we created a wave, but I knew I wanted to stay on it. So after Dragon's Den, I straight away went, what's the next thing we can do? So after the Dragon's Den appearance, I was chatting with Louise, LMD. and um, She's an artist of the North. And I wanted to do an eyeshadow palette, but I had no fucking clue about eyeshadow. So I wanted to work with a makeup artist on putting it together. So I met Louise for a coffee and said, do you want to do this together? She said, yeah, let's do it. And literally over a coffee... We then went up, met up, put it together, started working on it. We thought it would take three months. It took us the guts of almost a year to develop. And we brought that out. And as soon as we brought that out, it was definitely in Ireland. We were one of the first ones to do it. It sold out multiple times. I think we launched it in September. I think we bought our opening order was 12,000 units. And that was to last us to uh, from September to Christmas. They sold out in a week. Um and we literally, people were like ringing pharmacies looking to pay deposits. They were they, we actually got pharmacies squealing at us like giving out because we couldn't get them fast enough for them. And again, I created that wave and I was like, okay, how can I do this again four times over the following year? So the following year, then a collaborator, I decided to do a color palette and go a bit bigger. Um, went over and met Stacy Marie. Stacy Marie had a bigger international following we launched that palette and then we had literally overnight global success with it. Um it took us from an Irish brand to an international brand and then it did the same thing with uh Mitchell and Ellie and it worked extremely, extremely well for us. What's happened is in the early days of influencer marketing um I would say whenever you, you would have worked with an influencer there were kind of fussy with who they would work with and because it was at the time it was called a blogger so a blogger wanted to blog about the product and it was all about their honest reviews a lot of people abused it a lot of people grew big followings a lot of people got fake followings a lot of people accepted a lot of money to promote products that they didn't even like so I feel there is a bit of a it's declined in a way, it's grew in a way, because then you've now got your micro-influencers, then people, you had your big influencers, and then it went to the micro-influencers, and now everybody talks about nano-influencers. It's it's not that it's died. You just have to know your market. You have to know exactly what influencer will, and sometimes I hate using the word influencer, like Stacey Marie is an amazing, amazingly creative, makeup artist that is internationally renowned but she's an influencer of course her stacy bringing out uh, and we're we're, we're working on our third collection this time around it's it's this is my third year working with stacy you know it's it's working with the right person and if you take away that word influencer and call it that you want to work with the right person that's right for your brand because yes the, the word influencer can be can be a bit of a gray area, and i I, I kind of hate that use they hate to use that word for me, even though they are influencers, but I tend to work more with credible makeup artists who are selling a product that they use every single day they put it they touch people's faces every single day so there's there's two sides to to everything that's good and bad and for me influencers slash makeup artists one hundred percent work for be perfect cosmetics. And a lot of it is down to my personal relationship with them as well. And also knowing and working with them to bring the right product to the market that is going to work for you. So it's not that it's dead. It's just got, I would say, maybe the words can be a bit more controversial now. So you just have to literally be, make sure you're working with the right person for your brand, make sure that they work for you and you work for them. And um, you know, you have to also look after the influencers a lot of probably brands on the flip side of it abuse influencers and stuff like that as well, and um, they don't look after them. So it's it's fine in the I think I think it like it got the stage with blogging slash influencing, especially in Ireland. It hit a, a peak and it came tumbling down. So, but I feel like it's changed. I feel like it's now it, it's like one of them things. It's it's not going to go away. It's there forever. But it's like, oh, these influencers are all going to disappear. I don't think influencers are going to disappear. Yes, it will change and and things do change especially with the especially with e-commerce, especially with the internet, especially with social media. Things change and happen so quickly, but what you've got to be is on top of the 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 on top of the game, you know. People say, "Oh, I never made it on Instagram I'm never going to get followers." Well, guess what? Go on the fucking TikTok. You 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 the, the algorithms are going to build yourself on TikTok. There's always ways around things and I think it's yeah I, I don't think it's dead i think it's just changed and you just have to make sure that you're 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 changing with it is, is is my best advice with the influencer marketing
0: yeah definitely i think um it goes back to the get uh again the word passionate as well um i suppose th- that person you're working with has to be passionate about your products and only work with you as well and only promote your products as well because i know um a few of the people that that um work with you, a few of the girls and stuff uh, they only ever promote your products and then you know they build up a loyalty uh with their followers on your products so that they're not you know one week they're not promoting be perfect and next week they're promoting another makeup brand they're just sticking with your brand and you know they build that trust to their followers as well. I suppose that's kind of another big thing as okay. well. Yeah, again,
1: it it depends because, you know, makeup artists don't just use one product. So uh, a makeup artist will use a range of products to create a a pretty picture. Um, But when you go down to maybe false tan, false tan is one of them products that you repurchase and and a foundation that you're wearing on your shelf. So again, it's knowing your market and really, really knowing who, who you're working with and who's right for your brand.
0: Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Um, So I suppose that kind of leads on talking to business and stuff like that. What's the best um, advice you'd give someone that's listening to this, that's, you know, thinking about starting a business? What's your best advice you'd give them in 2020 for starting a business?
1: Um, Best advice is, I suppose this has probably changed with the current climate is the best advice i would say is is take risks but don't take massive risks that's that's one thing that i have over the years have learned to stay away with away from i've seen young business people um recently you know they put so much into things and they see loads of sales coming in but they don't see what's going out and they don't you know keep a good track of their profit loss or they get carried away and don't see what's going on around them other things you, you can see happening with, with some younger uh, people and I've done this myself many a time and I'm actually currently doing it at the minute don't get bogged down in the daily tasks too much because if you're constantly at the minute I've taken on a lot in in my warehouse um, and I'm, I'm literally at full capacity I'm working almost seven days a week morning and night I if I was to continue like this I will stop to see things happening that I need to see I, I always call it helicopter and what you need to be is always on top and make sure your business runs itself without you having to be the person that's down in the nitty-gritty doing the grind because you'll, you'll never see the bigger picture um, and also always take risks but never take huge risks that could floor you because I've seen people do it you know I could have done it maybe Two, three, four, five years in, I could have went, okay, I've got this money sitting here and what I could do is go and put it all into this, take a gamble. And I've seen so many people do it. They take the big gamble and it doesn't pay off and then you're then you're fucked. Um, so take risks, but make sure they're calculated and make sure they're going to work for you.
0: 100%. Definitely agree with you on that advice as well. And um, Calculated risk specifically. Um, really, really good advice. And then, you know, just to finish this podcast off, um, cause it's been an amazing, um, it's been, been an amazing interview and basically where you started and where you are now with the brand, what's next for you in life and business? Like what's, what's the bigger picture now? where do you plan on hoping where, you know, where do you plan on going with, I suppose life and even taking be perfect. Like what's next for you?
1: Yeah, well, as you, you you've you've maybe noticed, um, Be Perfect has obviously we're we're really really especially with what what with what's just happened currently with the pandemic, the biggest change for me, which is which I'm I'm taking on board is I'm I'm pushing the Be Perfect e-commerce platform more, and um, we're going to be so much more focused online. I have plans in place to develop the Be Perfect platform, um. A lot, which I don't want to say too much about, but there's there's huge things happening. Hopefully in September, October time. I'm also creating some sub brands. Um, I've created one with Michelle Ragazzoli, so it's called Mrs Glam. So it's it's a sub brand to be perfect. I have another one coming up with a huge influencer in the UK. Um, and yeah, it's it's really pushing the e commerce platforms and development sub sub brands and. Hopefully also one of the big things that I'm looking to do as I, I sort of touched on is um, because I'm getting so busy is to take on somebody more senior than me to come in and, as an operations manager so that I can step back a bit and, and start to see a bit more of the bigger picture um, and spend more time with different teams that I haven't got to, to work with recently. So that's the plans.
0: yeah definitely um you know you talked about stepping back as well I suppose you know you kind of have to be what's that phrase again uh you have to be out of the business to be in the business or something like that um I can't remember I I heard that phrase I'd know if that that was it but I basically just kind of stepping back letting someone else go in that knows a lot more um about all that and stuff and kind of you Kind of managed all instead of working in the business, or no? What was it? I think it's working on the business, not in the business. Hundred percent. Yeah, I think that was it. But um, yeah, thanks very much, Brendan, for your time today and your valuable information for anyone that has um that has been uh, listening to this interview. Because I know you mentioned there at the start, um, you haven't done many interviews and stuff, so it'll be interesting for people to um, to learn from you and, you know, from someone who's been there and done it. And as I always say, guys, um, don't just listen to this podcast and go, look, it's great. You know, take the advice that Brendan gave you guys and take the advice that we've gave you in this podcast today and apply it to your, your life and take action in your life, because that's the only way you're going to grow and, uh, and expand your life as well. So I'll see you guys in the next episode.